0: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer.
1: Hey, it's time for another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. This is Tom Singer, and today I want to jump right into a conversation with Michael O'Neill. Michael is the host of... The Solopreneur Hour, which is a podcast that inspired me to start Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I started listening to Michael's show about a year ago, soon after he went on to the iTunes airwaves. And I really got excited about some of the stuff he was doing. And I reached out to him and I learned a little bit about what he was doing with podcasting. And at first I said, I really don't have an interest in that. But the more I watched Michael and some other people, I realized that maybe it was a good compliment to my speaking business. So I'm excited as one of the early guests on the show to have Michael O'Neill here with us. Michael, how you doing?
2: Tom, I am spectacular here in sunny San Diego. I'm half coaching and half playing with my car today. That's sort of my, my day at the moment.
1: Well, that, that's good because those are two things you like to do, I think, from, from knowing you. You like coaching and helping your, your clients and people, and you're a little bit of a race car fanatic.
2: I am, and I'm doing a a very ambitious uh, project right now with a very... Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do
0: podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, it's time for another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs
1: Do This is Tom Singer, and today I want to jump right into a conversation with Michael O'Neill. Michael is the host of The Solopreneur Hour, which is a podcast that inspired me to start cool things entrepreneurs do I started listening to Michael's show about a year ago soon after he went on to the iTunes airwaves and I really got excited about some of the stuff he was doing and I reached out to him and I learned a little bit about what he was doing with podcasting and at first I said I really don't have an interest in that but the more I watched Michael and some other people I realized that maybe it was a good compliment to my speaking business so I'm excited as one of the early guests on the show to have Michael O'Neill here with us
2: Michael how you doing Tom I am spectacular. Here in sunny San Diego I'm half coaching and half playing with my car today That's sort of my, my day at the moment Well, that,
1: that's good Because those are two things you like to do, I think From, from knowing you, you like coaching and helping your, your clients and people And you're a little bit of a race car fanatic
2: I am, and I'm doing a, a very ambitious uh, project right now With a very short timeline So we'll see We'll see how it goes So but, why, uh, why don't you tell
1: the audience what kind of car you have?
2: I have a, uh, restored, uh, 69 911, uh, Porsche 911 that I rescued from a, uh, a field a few years ago. And I put, uh, about four years and 2000 hours of my time into it to make it look pretty. And when I did it, I totally bootstrapped it because I had no money at the time. And it's a car that <laughs> likes to have a little more money when you have to buy parts for it. And, um, I, I have had it for a couple of years. I mean, obviously I've had it for a while now, but it's been just as is I've, I've, it's been in the the current restored state as it's been. And just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I'm going to kind of finish it and it requires a little more of an investment financially. And I put a crazy deadline on myself to go to this thing called Target, California, which is a tour of Mexico with a bunch of other little portion nerds for three days at the end of the month. So I have a huge deadline and a big project to get to it. So I feel like I'm on a reality show, like one of those fast car restoration shows that they do in a week. Rebuild your car as fast as you can. Go. Yeah, kind of. I feel like I'm on an episode of overhauling, except I don't have the A-team working for me. It's just me.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. So Michael has had a really eclectic sort of journey throughout his life through the different things that he's done in his career and through where he's lived and what he's done. But Michael, why don't you kind of briefly tell us a little bit about the journey that led you to working for yourself? Because we're here to
2: talk about that. Um, well, I started racing mountain bikes when I was... Uh, no. um,
1: yeah, not the whole the, journey Michael let's let's stick with the career part
2: of the journey. The journey um, well, I was a web guy for 18 years and somewhere in that span of time, I, you know I was working for agencies I worked for ski magazine for a little while and skiing and got a job with a really cool creative agency in Boulder, Colorado where I was living at the time. And my first foray into realizing that I was unemployable is that that particular boss, um was kind of a bad guy like he he was actually uh he was a bit of a creep if i'm if i can be honest he (laughs) was doing some uh pretty bad stuff kind of cooking the books if you will yikes and we were all paying for it and the uh the straw as the straw as it goes was i went to get a um a medical checkup one day and i gave them my insurance card and they said well you don't have health insurance oh no I said, really? I've been paying for it for the last eight months. And it turned out that we didn't have health insurance, but uh, but he was charging and taking out of all our paychecks. Well, boy, that's a good enough story to burn you on working for the man, isn't it? Yeah. And so that that turned into a whole thing. And needless to say, I was not uh, at that company any longer. Um, That was 2002. So I really kind of went on my own in 2002. And then in 2004, uh, my brother suggested I check out this ad that was on... Uh, whatever the local paper was, whatever it was. And I responded to it. And it was for a creative director position at a local startup. So I interviewed with, I think it was like 75 different people or something. <laughs> and I ended up getting the getting the gig. And I asked for a certain amount of money. They paid me even more than I asked for, which I think is the first and last time that's happened in the history of corporate America. And it was cool for a f- couple months, really. And then I realized somewhere in there that I'd, I'd been working... Um, on my own too much. I had read too many of the books, the rich dad, poor dads and the four hour work weeks and things like that. And I had become de facto unemployable because I was going into this office and kind of dreading it and then having to answer to kind of that middle manager that didn't know as much as I did. And it was just a nightmare. And so we, we both lasted about another six months in that gig and they kind of were like, okay, you can go now. Here's a severance. And I'm like, thank you very much. Freedom. the last time I've worked like for somebody else. So you have done many, many
1: different things, and now you have a coaching business and you have this extremely successful podcast called The Solopreneur Hour that you started a little over a year ago. How did that transition to, you know, kind of bouncing around to having this really hot podcast and really growing something that you're
2: very passionate about? How did that happen? I think it's interesting that you framed it as I have a coaching gig and a podcast, and I think that's pretty interesting to me. Um, The... I had met a guy, and t- I was with a um, network marketing company, and from 2009 to 2012. And one of the guys that was kind of the big personal development speaker was fantastic on stage. And as you know, that's a that's a rare um, trait to be really, really world class on stage. It's a skill. Um, I mean,
1: it takes it takes a lot of practice to be able to stand up and give a speech like that.
2: And and really, he it wasn't it wasn't that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's for me. It's one thing to to make a crowd get excited about what you're doing. It's another thing to make a crowd dead silent, and of ten thousand. And that's a, that's a power to me. That's a real skill. And I've seen him uh, speak and, and seen him be essentially the um, what do they call? It? I guess it's the MC of an event. Sure. And you know, and he also would teach people. He has a, a great um, a great class called Journey to the Stage, which teaches speaking technique to people that don't have any at all. And, uh, or that want to take it to the next level. And so I, I remember he had asked me a social media question sometime in like 2011, I believe, uh, right. Or maybe January, 2012. And I remember responding and saying, you know, David, we should think about growing your brand, uh, globally. And he goes, well, how do we do that? And I said, what about a podcast? And he said, well, what's a podcast? I said, well, it's like a radio show. And you kind of download it on your phone. And he goes, okay. And so, because of my background in web and then design and branding, I created this brand for him called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And we launched in May of 2012. The show was a huge success. We had a lot of really great people on, like John Assaraf and John Gray and Jack Canfield and you know a lot of the personal development guys. And the show was a big success. All of a sudden, we were in 192 countries, and it was, it was you know, thousands of downloads a day, and it was a great thing. I was working for essentially equity in the brand. And after a year and a half of not monetizing the brand, I finally said, you know, I got to go do this thing myself. I'm, I, you know, I've been, I've, you know, my chops are pretty honed. I think I can make us a lot of money if we want to do it, but we're, we're not, we're not jumping out of the gates. And, you know, he was still very comfortable in his position at, at the previous company. So his initiative to monetize wasn't as much as mine was. Sure. Well, he and wasn't, so- he wasn't hungry. He wasn't hungry. I was literally hungry, um, and I know we always rag on people who use the word literally, literally wrong. But but you but were I was you were hungry, literally hungry.
1: Like, where's the next meal coming from? I hungry? was like,
2: where's the next meal coming from? I've been doing this for a year and a half. This is not awesome. So, yeah. So I um, I launched the Solopreneur Hour in August of 2013, and I did it because it was a labor of love, and I had a bunch of cool people in my life that I that I thought would be interesting on a microphone. And um, that sort of began this current journey, but I'll let you slide in uh, and chat for a second.
1: Well, no. So you have done a really amazing job over the last, you know, year and a couple of months of growing this into something that you've turned into a real business and you're really making money and you're really leading other people sort of down this path to be able to sort of take hold of being a solopreneur and be it through a podcast or another venue to really see that this can be real and I think you're really inspirational in what you've done. So what is it that, you know, in this current iteration of your life, what is it you love about it? Cause you clearly
2: like what you're doing. I love it. Yeah. The, you, you, you keyed in on it right at the very beginning. The, uh, the, the time freedom piece cannot be underestimated. It's, you know, it's one thing for people to say, Oh, you know, um, you know, I, I, I I have extra vacation time this year, or you know, whatever. I got a a dollar forty seven per hour raise, and it's a lot less about the money for me. The money's been better, you know, certainly than it ever was, and that has that has been a a, a positive influence on on my life in in a number of ways. But the time freedom, I mean, there's almost no price on it because it's. You know, I I was invited to a wedding last week. I went to a wedding in Denver where I used to live. And I've now traveled to a bunch of different cities this year. Every time I go to a city, especially if I've never been there before, I hang out either a day earlier or a day later because I want to explore the city or maybe even two days. And quote-unquote civilians, normal people, can't do that. It's a much bigger deal for them to... To be able to sort of spend that time. So,
1: sure. Well, you only get, if you're working for a corporation, you only get so many vacation days every year. You, you have to sort of budget them. Whereas when you're working for yourself, you sort of get to make the decisions. Although, you know, I find that for my career, you know, it is sort of my hobby. So I, I tend to work a lot on the business. But my wife and kids will tell you that when I had a a 40-hour-a-week job, it wasn't 40 hours a week. It was easily 60 hours a week, and I would have to leave the house early in the morning to beat the traffic cycle out of our neighborhood. So I would be gone 12 hours a day, and when I'd come home, I'd be exhausted. Now, while I do work a lot and when I travel, I'm away, but when I'm home, I'm able to drive carpool or I'm able to attend things, and I get to choose when I'm home where I put my attention during those hours. And it really does make a difference, and as you said – you can't put a price on that.
2: Yeah, especially if you have kids or if you have something you know really driving you in terms of a, a family or a hobby or something. It's yeah. People in Europe spend a lot more vacation time than we do. I think they get at least a month, sometimes six weeks. And they really encourage people to get out and travel and, and see the world. And we're so ethnocentric here in the States. And I think just as a culture, we feel like working is really this, the core. It's the center of what we should be doing versus living and versus what we, what makes us truly happy. So, so I guess answer one is the time freedom can't be beat. Um, it's one of my three main pillars. It's like time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. The time freedom is the, the easiest part of the whole equation. You can just walk into your boss's office and, and flip him the bird and say, I have, I'm I'm going home now. And then you have time freedom. <laughs> Boy, I think there's, uh, a,
1: I think there's a lot of people out there who want to do that, who, yes. who, who don't.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's true. And, and, there's so much fear around why you shouldn't do that. Um, they have kids, they have a mortgage, they have, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think uh, to quote Amy Porterfield, who's quoting Marie Forleo, everything is figureoutable. <laughs> you know, I think really truly that you can make it happen if you really, really want to. So that was
1: number one. What's the other part that you love about it?
2: Um, the so the time frame was number one. The second part is the I love the coaching that like you, like you alluded to at the beginning, it's something actually that I didn't expect at all. I didn't even know I would be doing coaching when I started the podcast. I just assumed I'd be launching the podcast. That's what I'd be doing a few days a week. Hopefully get some advertisers. Great. And I launched this thing called solo lab, which uh, I participate in, which you're in. Yep. Which is great. And it's a group coaching program by far the most fulfilling work that I get to do is solo lab. It's fun for me to, to work on my skill set as an interviewer and, and as someone who's promoting and producing a show. But I just had a call just before, two, two calls before this one. I have a, Fridays are my very like busy days. But um, who, who said, you know, I did exactly what you told me to do on the last call and here's what happened. And it was like stellar, green light, green light, green light, green light. And I'm like, wow, that is awesome. Awesome because I get to participate in it. But even more awesome, which I know is an overutilized word, that he actually implemented and, and did something with it because not everybody does.
1: Well, I call it follow through DNA, right? We talk to a lot of people and they, they say, oh, yeah,
2: I'm going to go do that. And then they
1: get back to their life and, and they just get busy or, or sidetracked and they don't ever take the action. And, and it's a rarity when you find people who have this follow through DNA who actually just say, OK, I'm going to do what I said I did. And right. when you take action, things happen. That's correct.
2: That's right. So, and I will uh,
1: I will add that the side benefit, in addition to the group coaching thing and the advice that you give, is the actual camaraderie amongst the people in the group outside of you that has been yes. sort of a byproduct, right? I signed up because I thought, okay, I'm going to go forward and try and figure out how to, you know, take my career in a little bit solo, different level, and it led to this podcast, but... The, the byproduct is I was in Washington, D.C. speaking at a conference, and I happened to post something online that I was in D.C., and one of the other members of Solo Lab she was like, oh, why don't you join my husband and I for dinner? And that's become something that you know I reach out now when I travel to the people in that group as well as other organizations I belong to, and that actually is a great way to get sort of ideas and inspiration and thoughts is to connect with people live when you're in their town, and that's a byproduct I never thought of from your group.
2: Yeah, and I loved it. We we all met down in um, in podcast movement in Dallas a few uh, few weeks ago. I guess it was so cool to meet everybody in person. We've we've only seen each other either you know in little teeny Facebook profiles or in, on a Google Hangout, but never in real life. And there was so much hangout. There was so much time for people to spend time with each other. So that was really cool.
1: So what do you advise to people who maybe they are working for a big corporation and they're, they're dreaming of looking at what you're doing or what I do or, or what anybody who's working for themselves does and they say, you know, they're actually paying the bills and then some and they're traveling and they're feeding their kids and whatever it is, feeding your dog, uh, not worried about that next meal. I want some of that.
2: What do you recommend? Where do they start? Well, I I love, I have a, um, a, well, a couple of places. Number one, I think that Everybody possesses some kind of skill set that is saleable, marketable, somehow. Uh, I always use the Excel spreadsheet example. You know, if you're good at Excel spreadsheets, there's someone out there that's making $300,000 this year teaching people how to use Excel spreadsheets, and you know more than they do. I guarantee it. I guarantee you know more than they do. So what is that skill set? Everybody has some kind of skill set, whether it's, here's how you take care of an infant or a toddler. Uh here's how you, you know, manage a team of designers. Here's how you I mean you name it. There's going to be someone who has a skill set. And there's always when you think about this, you don't need thousands of people to to buy into whatever it is you're selling. You know, let's say we take a uh probably an average price for a course. Now, I want you to Frame this in this way. If you're going to go take a course at a community college and that course costs you $620, would that like blow your mind away? No, probably not. No, that would be probably a standard price for a, a course of, at a community college. That someone's, let's be honest, they're probably mailing it in. You know, the, whoever's doing it is doing a favor for the department. And all right, here, I'm going to do this. So, You go as a student and you go, you got to buy books and you got to go, you know, do the thing. And then you have this online curriculum or whatever it is you do. Well, it's a grand. That's a thousand dollars. So the average price of a much more targeted um, uh, 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 program, like a a, um, a training course, let's say we'll go back to Excel spreadsheets. Let's say that I can teach someone how to use Excel um, as a small business owner, like how to get the most out of Excel as a small business owner. And maybe I'm a bookkeeper and I want to get hired out as a bunch of small business owners, you know, that to hire me. So, so I go, okay, I'm going to get this course. And the course is $497. Okay. So and that's an average price for like an online information product of the, of the type. There's literally hundreds of thousands of them. So 497, that's 500 bucks. Okay. Well, when you think about this, you only need two, 200 people out of the 8 billion people in the world, you need 200 of them. To buy your product, and that is a six-figure income for that year. That's well, more than ninety percent of people make probably in this country. And that's I don't know what and, the actual number is. And, and it is not that
1: many. And it is simple math. No matter what you do, I mean, I, I look at what I do, speaking at conferences, and people think, "Oh, how do you how do you do that?" You don't. You don't have to have a whole lot of them. You just have to have enough of them coming in, and enough people saying, "Wow, he was great." let's refer him to the next one. Let's refer him to the next one that it sort of starts taking care of itself. So it is, it's sort of a, it, you, you
2: don't need to sell to everybody and you just need to get a little bit of momentum. Well, and you're doing something now where you're building a platform with your podcast. The more I'd like, obviously you get to, to do this because it's fun. It's actually fun to talk to people about how they've done this and what their lives are like as entrepreneurs. But the side benefit from this is you're, Definitely going to get more speaking gigs.
1: Oh well, part of like, the reason I'm that doing will this definitely happened. Part of the reason I'm doing this is when I was at the National Speakers uh, Association conference this summer. In fact, I had coffee with you in San Diego while I was there. Sure did yeah? When when I was there, one of the speakers, and I wish I remember who said it. One of their recommendations was if you if you want to expand, if you want to get better, go interview fifty people. And you will learn something. You will walk away a changed person. And I thought, oh, I can do that. I can interview 50 people. And my first thought was for my blog, that I would just interview and write. And then I got sort of exposed to you and, and Solo Lab, And I thought, I bet I could interview them as a podcast. And, and now here we are. Isn't that
2: funny, though, how, as a speaker, you didn't default to podcasting?
1: No, I, no, I didn't. Well, I, I think that, you know, I defaulted to what I knew and I've been writing for 10 years. Right. So and I think that's what everybody does. I think that's what holds us back from going down the entrepreneurial
2: path is people default to what they know. Right. Well, so here's what I suggest. If if you are driving a desk, you're doing a life that you don't necessarily want to um, live, I'm going to give you what I think is the recipe for the first major step. Now, I will warn you, and I'm not kidding about this. If you do what I'm about to tell you to do, you may be well on your way to becoming unemployable. And when you're unemployable, it's like taking the blue pill. It's really hard to go to work and punch the clock once you've taken this step. Well, and prou- so with- proudly unemployable is your tagline, isn't it? That's right. So the and and I mean this, like, I'm not kidding. It, it could potentially make your life miserable if you get this information and then do nothing with it and you're stuck with your little job doing whatever it is you're doing. You could hate it. And it could really make your life kind of miserable. So with that, so spoiler alert, (laughs) um, is there's a, there's, (laughs) excuse me, there's six books that I recommend. I call them the sexy six on my show. I've read them. And yes, good. So when you read these books in this particular order, because I do feel like they build on each other, um, you will open up your same front door, but you will be exposed to a completely different landscape um and that it really does change things for you so book number 1 is called uh, rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki again read these in order it's important um that gives you well it doesn't matter i'll, I'll just i'm going to leave it to to the book so book number 1 is rich dad poor dad robert kiyosaki book, book number 2 is the cash flow quadrant also by robert kiyosaki book number 3 the 4 hour work week by timothy ferris Book number four is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Book number five is Strengths Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath. And book number six is Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, who has a new podcast. Uh, The only one out of those six that you have to buy brand new is Strengths Finder 2.0 because the book is actually a guide the The real meat and potatoes of it is uh, an online test, and each book has a little tearaway special code that can only be used once. Right. So, so when you, you buy the book, you buy used, the book. it's yeah. it's the code's going to already be used up. You're not going to be able to get the, uh, the the book to do what it's supposed to do.
1: Well, and so when people read these these books and and they get inspired and 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 they they get that bug, what happens next? Well, then you join Solo Lab. <laughs> Yes. Join us. We'd love to have you in Solo Lab.
2: Well, what about you? What would you do when you read the books?
1: So, you know, the one thing is, is that it's kind of like interviewing people and, and asking entrepreneurs kind of what they did and what they would do if they had to do it all over again. It's the same thing as reading these books. It's for me, it is when I see that other people have done it, it becomes much more comfortable for me going to do it. So my dad worked for an insurance company for, you know, 45 years and retired with a gold watch. That was what I saw. You know, my mother was a stay-at-home mom and later got a real estate license and worked in a real estate office, and while she was very successful, her life was was cut short. She had cancer, and she never reached sort of that, that full potential, but it was very much, you know, she was an entrepreneur, solopreneur as a realtor, but she worked in a corporate office doing it kind of by the book. So my parents had a very corporate way of doing things, and yet I'm one of four boys, and three of us are solopreneurs, which I think is very interesting that we didn't come from that background. But one of my brothers does work for a big accounting firm. My other two brothers, one has his own uh, residential real estate appraisal company that's been very successful in the Bay Area. And uh, the middle of the three older brothers, he is a saxophone repairman and for 30 years has repaired the saxophones to all the top saxophone players in the world. And he carved out his own niche.
2: Really? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Who knew? You know, my dad was a sax player.
1: Well, if he if he had broken his saxophone, he would have needed my brother
2: wow, that's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah, no. It's he's, fun when we learn weird things about our friends.
1: In fact, I love people who have niche businesses. That's why I've enjoyed seeing your podcast become a real business and really be supportive because mm. I love people who do things that are different and i was exposed to that early because my brother long ago said i don't want to drive a cab in new york city and he was a musician and his saxophone kept breaking so he taught himself to repair it and all of a sudden he had a, a legitimate business that he's raised a family and everything else repairing saxophones so wow, that's crazy I, dude i have no idea when it's i fun. see other people do stuff like that or when i read it in a book that this was their journey what it does for me is it takes away the fear it kind of tells me if someone else can do it i can do it
2: well, yeah, of course. That's the that's the whole bit, right? So it's yeah, the it's, whole deal. I mean, it, it's there's so much fear around. Um, you know, we've got we've got kids, and we've got jobs, and we've got, you know, again, mortgages, all of these kinds of things that we worry about. But the reality is, is that, you know, my my second tier, my second part of like this solopreneurial, sol, solopreneurial lifestyle, is location freedom. It's like if you really want to live somewhere, go move there. Um, your kids will adjust. We, we that's, we, we've traditionally as kids, we've adjusted to things like this our entire life. I mean, I moved, uh, my parents moved me in between 10th and 11th grade. Now, while I resented them <laughs> Ouch. for a pretty good chunk of time in my life, I, I'm fine. You know, it's like it, it, worked out. I'm not super worried about it. Um, so, you know, and again, it doesn't have to cost a ton of money. It doesn't have to be, um, everything's outable. And there you know, is a again. lot to be said for living in a cool city. You and I both live in two of the coolest cities we in America. Do.
1: I'm in Austin, Texas, and you are in? I'm in San Diego, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I went to college, so I know San Diego well. It's, I mean, yeah. you know, between living in Austin and living in San Diego, you could do a lot
2: worse. It's tough to beat, dude. I gotta be honest. I mean, of all the spots, we get to, you know, both of us get to do a fairly uh, decent amount of travel these days, and, um... You know, we've we've traveled around the country a bit. It's pretty darn hard to find something uh, that that trumps our our fair cities. I'll Absolutely. be honest. Absolutely, every
1: time the plane lands in Austin, I look out the window and I see the UT tower and I see the skyline and I
2: smile and I think, hey, that's that's my home. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. So, Michael, and the thing is, you've done that. That's the big difference. Is that that's a conscious choice for you? You you know what I mean? Yeah. There's we've, probably times in your career that you'd have been like, man, this is this is too expensive, or. You know, whatever, whatever the deal is, because we all do it. Um, But the truth is, is that it's it's where you want to be. It's like Austin has its own set of, um, you know, as a musician, I played when I was in Austin for South by Southwest a few years ago. I literally played music six of the seven nights I was there. Right. Because that's how available it is everywhere. Right. It's got a cool and vibe. I mean, it's, it's, it's got it's, a fantastic vibe.
1: There's probably five or six cities in the country that I think have a cool vibe. And then there's just, you know, a lot of other places. So Michael, <laughs> right. so really quick, as we kind of wrap this up here, one thing I always like to ask people when I, when I talk to them and I ask entrepreneurs is what else do you see? Who else is doing something cool? Cause it's so easy to talk about ourselves for an hour or a half hour or whatever, but what is some, what's something some other entrepreneur is doing that you think, wow, she's killing it. What, what is that?
2: I really like um <clears throat> I'm a drummer. I've been playing drums my my whole life and I have a buddy of mine. His name is Mike Johnston and he is he's you know one of the most famous drummers in the world but not because he's playing for a band that you've heard of. He's one of the most famous drum uh, he's one of the most famous drummers in the world because he started mikeslessons.com which is the the best training drum training website on the web and he's this guy's doing over with no hyperbole he's doing over a hundred thousand dollars a month in drum lessons with it and he's just a really nice dude on top of it and so it's not really just about him you know trying to make money he's just a nice guy who really is very passionate about teaching and he's turned down gigs from more famous bands that you've heard of than you would believe. And because um, he just loves teaching. So I think he's really killing it. And I think he's doing a cool job and he's doing it the right way and from the heart. So And,
1: and it's great. And it's great when somebody is doing something so successful when you can add, gosh, and they're such a nice guy. I mean, you know, the world's yeah. full The world's full of jerks. So it's cool to see the nice guys finish first. So thanks every for now sure. and again, we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think both I of us. I don't
2: qualify myself really in there, but I nah, should say. I think you're a nice
1: guy. Every so, once in a while. So I, I really appreciate you being on the show I'm launching this show it's, I'm still trying to find my voice As you know from when we tried to do this last week I'm still trying to learn the audio equipment But I am having way more fun So I, I joke that I blame you that I'm doing this But at the same time I have to credit you That I'm doing this podcast Because I am having a good time talking to people So if people listen to this And I hope somebody has listened to this And they think I want to know about more about Michael O'Neill I want to know more about the solopreneur
2: hour How do they find you? Um well I, first of all, thank you for having me on. I I really actually had a miserable time doing this. Um <laughs> so it was uh, no, it was amazing. I, I take thank back you. the nice guy comment. I, and <laughs> well, it's so cool because you have a, you're such a natural at this. It's such a you're gonna you're gonna probably have a blast with this and you know, before you know it, you're gonna be like speaking gigs. Why I, I have to leave my little studio? Why would I do such a thing? Um solo hour everywhere. Uh solohour.com Uh, solo hour on Twitter and on Facebook and everywhere. We've got a great little group called Proudly Unemployable which is our big sort of public Facebook group and um, that's fun. It gets a lot of love and uh, yeah, just solo hour everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So they just Uh, need solo hour.
1: They don't actually have to spell solopreneur.
2: That's right, because no one can spell a <laughs> All right.
1: Well, thank you very much for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who listened to this episode. We'll be back very soon with another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Go out there
0: and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger.com. This podcast was produced in part by PotFly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.